0: (音楽) Let's go.
1: Did you see that? Do you kiss your mama with that mouth? That's terrible. Hey, aren't you glad to be in church today? Come on, give Jesus a big hand clap. Love y'all very much. I also want to welcome all of our live streamers, streamers Florida, Georgia, uh, North New York, Tennessee, and Washington, D.C. Can we give them a big hand? Thank you guys for joining us. You know, um. I was thinking about this today when i I get up pretty early on Sunday mornings and just spend some time praying for you and I just want to say from the bottom of my of my heart that I just love and appreciate all of you i'm I'm the most uh just excited pastor I, I love hanging out with you guys when I get to sit in the lobby, I watch you all walk in and you look like you're you're actually kind of like being here, <laughs> you know a couple of you, so we're trying to figure it out you know maybe got promised a lunch or maybe a coffee or something, you're going, I don't know about this whole church thing, but I, I really, you guys are the best people in, the, in the, on the planet, um, I love being your pastor, it is such an honor to get to do what I get to do, and uh, you know I've been doing this for almost 20 years here at Freedom House, and when we started this church with about 30 people, I, I just, it's so awesome to see what God's done in the last 20 years, give yourselves a hand, come on, isn't that good? So excited to be here. I love what I get to do. And also your campus pastors, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Steph. Stand up, guys. Make sure you meet them. Introduce yourself. My name is Troy, by the way. If I've, I don't know if I introduced myself to you. My wife and I are the senior pastors here. Um, and today we are starting a brand new series called Throwing Shade. Now, if you're kind of like me, I just had a birthday. By the way, thank you so much for all your birthday wishes, your comments. I just turned 52. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all... Over the age of 50. Raise your hand if you're over the age of 50. Stuff starts happening in your body, like, like weird stuff. They didn't tell you when you were in your 30s. So anyway, thank you so much for all the uh, amazing birthday wishes. I like to celebrate my birthday for an entire month. And so I'll continue to receive gifts all the way through the month of May. <laughs> um, we're starting a new series called Throwing Shade. So if you're older like me, you have to learn from the younger generation on these statements. So I want to give you a definition of what throwing shade is. Defined, it's an insult. It's a subtle sneer. It's a contempt for or disgust against someone verbally or non-verbally. Maybe on social media. Maybe you've had somebody say something I know nasty to you on social media. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you, somebody gets on your comments. And maybe makes a sneering remark. I know that's, you couldn't believe, even Christians say those kind of, can you believe that? I mean, it's just sad to think that somebody would call you a name on social media and then claim to be a Jesus follower. It's amazing the day that we live in. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. I guess y'all didn't think that is as entertaining as I did. But here's, here's what Paul says. I'll just get, get to the Bible if you're not laughing at my jokes. All right, anyway. And never let ugly, this is what Paul says, this is what the Bible says, this is the passion translation, so it's, just pretend like it's passionate, okay? Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. Come and look at your neighbor and say, don't let that happen, ugly or hateful words. But instead, okay, this is what we're supposed to be like, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Can I get an amen? What if we encouraged people? Do this by speaking words of grace. To help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God. Did you know that your words can grieve the Holy Spirit? You know that things can come out of your mouth and the Holy Spirit will actually remove himself from your presence. Or take for granted the holy influence in your life. Anybody ever done that? I have. I've taken for granted my relationship with God. Listen to verse 31. Here's practical. He says, lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums. Anybody have one today in the back of their car, their kid? Like, come on, can I sell this kid on eBay? Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, Stephanie. I mean, profanity. Sorry. Stephanie's the least likely to cuss in here. Aaron's the one that cusses. And insults. But instead, everybody shout, but instead. Come on, one more time. Say, but instead, be kind, affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? He has me. Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. I like how he uses in the depths of Christ's love because often it's difficult to forgive someone out of our own love because our our love seems to be a little bit more shallow. I don't think you can throw what you don't know. So if we're thinking about throwing shade, you only throw what you know. In other words, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that begs the question, what are we putting in our heart? I've kind of made a decision I'm not going to watch the news anymore. It's kind of depressing, honestly. Um, I I don't even know if any of it's true. Come on, somebody. You know. CNN, Fox, MSNB, whatever it may be, whatever your, your uh, you know, toke of choice is, it doesn't matter, it, it, I, I just can't believe it, so I would rather stick to the word of God, the gospel. I, I know that I can trust God, I know, I know that he's not, he's not irrelevant, I know that he's connected, I know that he has, he's not asleep up there, I, I know that he has something going on, and I, I want to fill myself with something powerful so I won't throw shade, So we often throw shade because we've decided to live in the shade. Now, I found that the reason why people throw what they know is because the shade that they're living in are wounds or hurts or past pains or problems that they've gone through that they haven't necessarily healed from. And in order for me to to make you feel bad or make you feel like me, I've got to make you hurt the same way that I'm hurting. And so hurt people hurt people. Shamed people, shame people, guilty people, make others feel guilty because we kind of want to have our own little party with you. So if I can throw some shade on you and make you feel bitter like I feel bitter, then I feel like everything's okay. So whether I do that on social media, I hide behind an anonymous, you know, you know, uh, handle or whatever it may be, or, or wh- you know, I just want to, I want to, I want to make you feel like I feel. And often we, 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 we spend time in shade because we have something to hide. Now, the enemy uses shade. We have an enemy, a real enemy. And the enemy will often use external issues to infect eternal agreement. Political views. Cultural differences. Even church differences. Denominational issues. Socioeconomic issues. Right now, the color of our skin. If he can put an emphasis on the color of our skin and say, well, you know, you're different than that. Now, there's nothing wrong with debating these issues. But these issues should never divide us. The church needs to be united, connected, which is what I want to talk about today. So let's talk about real quickly, open our eyes, kind of see some things, what the enemy shade looks like right now. This is important, okay? So you may want to write these things down. You may want to kind of get an understanding, connect with this so you can understand, kind of uh, like the sons of Issachar, to know the signs of the times. What's going on around me? Don't just put your head down as a believer. You have a, a stake in this. You have a part to play. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, get in the game. Come on, just kind of elbow them. Say, get in the game. Okay? we got to understand the schemes of the enemy. So, what is the enemy? He's real. First of all, the Antichrist spirit is present. I'm going to share three things, I'm going to focus on the last one. The Antichrist spirit is present. John told us, John the Revelator told us in his letter that in 1 John, that when Jesus was raised from the dead, the Antichrist spirit came into the world. But this you know, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 2, it says, but this you know, by this you know the spirit of God. He's going to tell us how to discern between the spirit of God and the Antichrist spirit. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, the immaculate birth, that Jesus is God. Any any kind of pull away from that is an anti-Christ spirit. It's subtle. It's subversive. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. In other words, that Jesus is the center of a Christian's life. That there is no other way to the Father except Jesus Christ. It's not of God. And this is the spirit of the antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. It's not... A person yet, there will be a person. And by the way, that person will say all the right stuff, do all the right things, say that I, I can bring peace and actually do some stuff, but they won't do it on the platform of a relationship with Jesus Christ. The second thing that the enemy's throwing, the shade that the enemy's throwing, is biblical truth is being attacked. First Timothy chapter four it says, "Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time." time, some will turn away from the true faith, and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. There is a full-on attack against the truth of the Bible, full-on. There's a, it There's is an assignment. A there was a, a gentleman, a pastor that was arrested in Europe for preaching against homosexuality. He just read a scripture. Can I tell you, there's going to be a time where it could be illegal for me to even talk and use things against uh, homosexuality or or gender identity or gender confusion. All those issues are very important issues that are just subversive. And what is happening, it says true faith. What God is letting us know that it's, it's just those little steps back. And if we as the church don't rise up and, number one, understand the truth, Know what truth is to be able to discern between what truth is and what deception is. So we've got to, we've got to know this. That's why it's so important to spend time with God. It's so, so important to spend time in the Word of God. And so there's an attack. Family is being attacked. See, truth comes with comfort and Conviction comfort and conviction. We just want the comfort. Oh Jesus, just love on me. Give me a hug today. We don't like the conviction part because the conviction means I got to change. Well, you, we, you know, hold on a second, pastor. You mean you mean I can't sleep with my girlfriend before I get married? I mean, that's just that can't be Bible. I mean, it's just it, it's it just seems so right. I mean, we are going to get married eventually. I mean, I do love her. I mean, we we just we I just want to kind of test drive the car for a little while, just check it out, see how the you know how it you know spends gas and and just I just want to see how this works out for a little while. So we'll just move in together and and you know I, I don't I, I know I'm gonna put a ring on it, Pastor. I promise I'm gonna put a ring on it. But right now I just want to see if this all works out. No, that's not biblical. Well, you know, it's okay for, for a man and a man to get together. and It's, it's okay. I mean, that, that just seems to be culturally relevant. I mean, God, God understands. Okay, these are very strong attacks against the Word of God. You know, in our community, just last night, a school at a prom celebrated instead of a king and queen of a prom, it was a queen and a queen. An attack. You say, well, that's just not the big deal. Oh, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. That's our kids, our kids that are being challenged. So important for us to know what the truth is and to speak the truth. Why? Because truth without conviction, just comfort, makes weak, shallow, and small believers. Weak believers. And truth with conviction and no comfort, we need the comfort, makes legalistic, breeds legalism in believers. So when truth comes, it always brings comfort and conviction. There's always going to be a little bit of an edge to the truth. It's okay if you feel, like right now, you feel it. You're kind of like, whoa, pastor, you're going a little strong today. Sometimes you need to go a little strong. But I'm going to give you a hug later. I promise. I promise. I love you, I love you, but I also know you can be better. God loves me, he loves me, but he also knows there's more in me, there's more potential. And then the last thing, that, and this is what I want to spend time on, the, the shade that the enemy is throwing, is he's throwing division at every level. Jesus tells us what's going to happen in the end times in Matthew chapter 24. Good just to, to understand what's going on. He says for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. The word nation is the Greek word ethnos. It means people, people, group, person. You can speak of it in, in the sense of relationships. Relations will go against relations. People will go against people, person against person. And then it says kingdom against kingdom. So, so G- Jesus is letting us know that there's going to be an attack on the alignment relationally, an attack on the alignment kingdom-wise. There's going to be an attack to try to divide you from each other. And notice the order. Pay attention to order in the Bible. He deals with relationship before he deals with kingdom relationship. What he's saying is we got to make sure that this is good if we want more of this. And the enemy's going to attack this right here to try to divide us, even in church. We can all come to church together, but we may not be aligned. We look at each other with biased eyes, with prejudiced eyes. Because of something that happened in the past. Maybe not even to us, but to somebody that we know. And so, yeah, I believe that you love God, but you may not really love me. Nation against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Because sin divides. Sin separates. Listen, racism exists because of sin. It's not a skin color issue. Racism is in all parts of the world, not just America. Remember, truth, comfort, and conviction. Okay, let's let's make sure we talk, right? They just call it something different in Nigeria. They call it tribalism. They just call it something different in South Africa. They just call it something different in India. They call it the caste system. It's all all the same divisive tool of the enemy. And so the enemy is going to do everything he can to separate you. At the smallest level in America right now, by the color of our skin, and I can tell you right now, that is the the, the minute difference between you and me. Our melanin, totally different. We say, no, time out, pastor. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what I've been through. Well, the moment that you think you are better than someone, you're missing it. The moment that you think that you're less than someone, you're missing it. If you spend all your time pointing out the differences between yourselves, you're missing it. Let me me throw this out there. If you think for a moment the promises of God are unavailable to you because of fill in the blank, you're missing it. Because basically what you're saying is God shows partiality. That, well, you know, that doesn't work for me. No, no, no. It works for everybody. And if we let people decide my future, then people have become your God. People have become your God. Who's God? Him. I choose Him. I choose Him. And so let's lay all those other things. I'm a woman, so it's just unavailable to me. I grew up here. I don't have this education, I don't have this amount of money, I don't live in this part of town. Whatever it may be, you fill in the blank. No, the promises of God supersede all of that. He goes beyond all of those issues. Our freedom exists because of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul wrote most of his New Testament letters while he was in prison. Just read Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians. He wrote those in prison. He was locked up, but he talked more about freedom in those letters than anywhere else. How? How? How could he do that? How, how in the world could Paul, looking at bars, looking at people dying, looking at, at all kinds of craziness in prison, because what he saw around him did not determine God's power within him? And the moment that we can get our eyes off of that, we can come into agreement. John 8 says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That You know, this. that verse is what... Uh, led to the our church being Freedom House Church. John eight thirty two and John eight thirty six. You shall know the truth, and there's an understood and the truth that you know, or have become intimate with. You become passionate about. You shall become intimate with the truth, and the truth that you have become intimate with will make you free. But you know, there's another part of that definition. I just I just studied just just found this week. The word know, which is the Greek word ginosko, it means to be intimate with or connected with. But it also means to allow or give permission to. So you could say it this way. You shall allow the truth and the truth that you allow will set you free. And sometimes because of what we see with our eyes, we don't allow some truth to enter in. And we end up living from shade. And that affects our agreement. See, the church has lots of weapons. Well, just yell out some of the weapons of the church. What do you think some weapons of the church are? Prayer—that's a big one, isn't it? Prayer. How many of y'all like to pray? Raise your hand. Point at somebody you need no needs prayer. Just no, don't do that. What's another weapon of the church? Come on, worship. How about another? Any, any, any more big ones? Preaching the truth, the Bible, the gospel. Serving—you know that's a weapon. But, but here, love, that's perfect, that's awesome. You know, you know what, all of those things, all of those things are built on, a, on one foundation, agreement. Think about it, I can pray by myself, right? And that's powerful. But when me and Aaron get together, it changes the dynamic of our relationship and my relationship with heaven. Because now it goes from one to now there's a witness to my prayer and there's more power to my prayer. You can worship alone, can't you? Some of y'all did it on the way to church today. You were in your car. You're like, pray the Lord. Is that what just I was doing? Jesus. ooh, Jesus, you to Beth. And you sound all good. You want to get that image out of your head right now, don't you? You're like, I don't worship like that, pastor. That's like stupid worship. <laughs> and it was good, wasn't it? It was great when you were doing that. But then it feel a little bit different when we were all together. There there's a difference in that. When we when we get in agreement, when we start singing that same same song, we we We're we're making this connection with God because all of us together, just for a moment, are in agreement. We've closed our eyes. Now we've laid aside our wealth. Our position. The color of our skin. Our gender. We have put all that aside and now we're just a child of God. Forgiven, saved, healed, whole. Worship changes. Prayer changes. You know, the Bible says the gates of hell should not prevail against the church. Why didn't Jesus say the gates of hell should not prevail against prayer? It's powerful. Why didn't he say the gates of hell should not prevail against worship? Why didn't he say the gates of hell should not prevail against love? No, he said the church because there's power in alignment. There's power in agreement. Psalms 133 verse 1. Follow me here. I'm almost done. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. One translation says unity. I like the word harmony because unity is good, but harmony is better. When we all sing the same note, it's good. But when we all sing in harmony, you and your, 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 your voice, your your sound, your your gifts, your talent, your your potential, who you are. You bring something to the table that's different. And when we we have the same purpose, the same goal. Harmony is reached. And I believe in heaven we make a beautiful sound in heaven. There's a beautiful picture when, when God sees us together. Imagine what that could change in our city, in our schools, in our homes, in our hearts. Harmony is the celebration of our diversity, not focusing on our differences. We lay down our differences for the sake of one goal, one purpose, and that's to worship God. See, if a football team is united, unified, it does not mean that everyone's playing the same position. We don't have all quarterbacks out there. We don't have all safeties out there. No, it does mean everybody's going to the same goal line. If an orchestra is harmonious, it's not because they're all playing the same instrument or even the same note. It's because they're all playing the same song, and they all sound different. If a choir is singing in great harmony, it's not because they're singing the same parts. It's because they're adding their part to the same song. This is what harmony looks like. And guess what? Jesus tells us how to get there. He gives us the key in Matthew chapter 18. Follow me here. He says, If your fellow believer sins against you, verse 15, you must go. Everybody shall go. Here's what it doesn't say it doesn't say you've got to wait for them to realize they made a mistake with you. Well, you know what, Pather? They they offended me, and I'm not texting them. Mm -mm, Not me. They're going to text me first. I'm going to let those three little dots just sit right there and just pulsate so they know I'm looking, but I ain't answering. They need to realize their wrongness to me, and then they come to me. That's not what the Bible says. If somebody has hurt you, guess what your job is? Your job is to go to them. Well, hold on a second. Aren't they supposed to be feeling the pain? Well, they may not even know that they did something wrong to you. They may not even know that they looked at you cross-eyed or didn't give you a high-five in church or maybe parked in your parking spot or whatever it may be. But Jesus tells us if your fellow believer sins against you, right before this he talks about offense, you must go to that one privately, privately, privately. This is before you talk to all your friends, get your little team together, you know, your little group together, little Maxwell clan, so you can get everybody together, so you can make sure that they know that they're wrong, so you can all be pointing at them when you walk through the door. No, privately between you and him. In an attempt to what? Show them that you're right? No, no, to resolve the matter. Why? Why do you want to resolve the matter? Because you want to get back into agreement so that when I pray with you, things happen in heaven. When I worship with you, God shows up right here. If if he responds, guess what? Your relationship is restored. But if his heart is closed to you, then go to him again. Take one or two others with you. Hey, man, you know, so-and-so is just not listening. Aaron, will you come to me, come with me? Not, hey, Aaron, I'm right, and I just need you to go with me to team up on this guy. Because, you know, Patrick, oh, my God, what a jerk. I mean, I can't believe he did that. So let's go talk, me and you, Aaron, me and you. You're on my team, right? Me and Aaron, come on. well, High five, Aaron, right here. Don't leave me hanging, man. Come on. No, Aaron's job is a mediator. He's the one to be a witness to the truth not my rightness. That's the goal here. Remember, we're talking about resolution for the sake of agreement. But if his heart is close to you, then go to him again, taking one or two others with you. You'll be fulfilling what the scripture, scripture teaches when it says, every word may be verified by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, then share the issue with the entire church. Get your life group involved. Have a little intervention in hopes of what? Restoration. Restoration. The whole purpose here is to restore. You're going to find out why in just a second if he still refuses to respond. Now Now you have biblical foundation to realize. You've tried by yourself. You tried to restore. He didn't listen. You took somebody else with you. He didn't listen. You brought him to the leadership of the church. He didn't listen. She didn't listen. Now it says, disregarding the fellowship of his church family, you must disregard him. It doesn't mean that you stop loving him. It just means that you can't be in relationship. Why? Because you want agreement with heaven. And this is going to hurt this agreement. Why? Now here's what Jesus does. Look at verse 18. Assuredly I say to you, Surely I say to you, or therefore, I want, I want you to understand something. Jesus is trying to get something point across. As long as we can, if we can get this straight, then we can start affecting this right here. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, anything that they ask, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am right there in the midst of them. So look, look what Jesus did. He let us know a key to our life, a key to our family, a key to our city, a key to our nation. He said, if we can get this right right here, if we can work on this, then heaven's opened up to us. Three things in closing. Number one, agreement is a gate. Agreement is a gate. When I was about six or seven years old, I would go and visit my grandmother in a place called Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Anybody ever been to Elizabeth City? There's a little town called Hertford. If you know Elizabeth City, you probably know Hertford too. And I used to, when I was like probably before 10, like, eight or nine years old, I would take the bus by myself from Richmond, Virginia, all the way to Hertford, North Carolina. Never got kidnapped once. (laughs) And so my grandmother, she had this old car, and she loved cantaloupe, she loved honeydew melons, she loved some fresh snaps, come on somebody, I'm getting hungry already. And so, so she would take me in her car, and we would go drive to one of these little farmer stands in the middle of nowhere. And we would get to a T, like there's a road coming, and we'd stop up. And all this traffic, I'm in the middle of nowhere. All this traffic would be going by, and she'd be like, she said, somebody left the gate open. Now, you ever say, you ever hear somebody say something, and you don't want to feel stupid so you don't ask what they mean? Come on, this guy's over here shaking his head. Yeah, I've done, I mean, we've all done that. Well, I was six, so I didn't know. And so I said, what in the world are you talking about? Somebody left the gate open. And my grandma said, well, obviously somebody left the gate up there because all this traffic is getting through. Agreement is a gate. The level of your relational alignment determines how big your gate of heaven is. Yours or my inability to get along with other people or maybe just a select few group of people will determine the size of the gate that God is able to pour out heaven into your and my life. So I want the biggest gate that I can have in my family. As the husband of my family, as the husband of my, my wife, the, the father of my family, I want to make sure my gate is big in my house, so that as much as heaven of heaven can get into my house as possible, Right? And so I'm going to work on my relationship with my kids. I'm going to work on my relationship with my wife. We're going to work things out. We're going to stay up all night long if we need to fight it out. To work on, why? Because agreement is a gate. You're a gatekeeper. Think about this for a second. This is incredible amounts of authority that God's given you. It doesn't say whatever you bind in heaven will happen on earth. No, no. It says whatever you bind on earth will happen in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Number two, agreement gets God's attention. Jesus said, it will be done by my Father. Assuredly, I say to you, if you agree, if you connect, if you deal this relational thing, get that all straight, then then you can ask whatever you want to ask in agreement with my word, with other people, and God sits at attention ready to move on your behalf. Complaining? Sure way to cut off heaven. I'll never get here and I'll never do that. And I'll just, you know, i you know. <laughs> Man, you can imagine what that sounds like in heaven. Oh, it sounds like somebody's scraping their fingers down the chalkboard. God's like, oh my gosh, oh turn that sound off. No, agreement is like God, God's waiting on the edge of his seat. All the angels in heaven are in expectation and anticipation to pour out righteousness. And peace and joy and hope and love and and passion. All all because we're in agreement. Agreement. Deuteronomy 32 says, one chases a thousand and two puts ten thousand. When we get into agreement, ten times stronger. Ten times stronger. Look at your neighbor, say ten times, ten times. Then here's the last one. Then I'm done. He says, where two or three are gathered together. The Greek word senego. So Jesus says, where two or three are synego, synego. Why would he say the same word twice? Because there's a big difference between being gathered and being together gathered. Or another way to say it is there's a big difference between being together and together together. Would you agree? See, in agreement invites God's presence. He said, if you get into together together. Then I show up. Jesus shows up. You know, as a pastor, that's my prayer every week. That Jesus shows up at church. I want him to show up. I can't do much. He can do a lot. You know, I've probably been in maybe three fights in my wife, with my wife in 30 years. That's a lot. No, we've been in a lot of fights. And I'm sure if you're married, you've probably maybe had one or two fights. (laughs) They're looking at me like, y'all, you crazy, Pastor? We got in a fight on the way to church today. (laughs) But isn't isn't it really cool when you get together together? Because you can be in the same house, still be mad at each other can't you I know I know it's hard to believe I know Aaron and Stephanie y'all probably never fight look don't they look just so cute together but I'm sure we've all been in that situation we're in, we're riding in the same car you don't want to talk to them you wish right then a bolt of lightning would come down and just just kill him right there in the seat you could take over driving real quick and just be gone you know he'd go to heaven you know he's saved And in that car, man, you're together, aren't you? You even sleep in the same bed, mad at each other, back to back, right? Sometimes you ladies even put a pillow in between because it makes you feel better. Like, don't be touching me. Don't be getting over here next to me. All the way on the edge. Like, here's the edge of the, you're like. How many of y'all slept like that night last night? Raise your hand if that was you. The three of you, all right. You're together, but there's something happens when you reconcile and you get together, together. It's like your hearts connect. It's the same feeling that can happen with us when we lay it down, all, when, we, when we let go of all the pettiness. Because, see, here, listen, 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 listen. The world will try to introduce all that pettiness tomorrow morning. It's going to try to divide us, even in the church. It's going to try to separate us. The enemy knows because if we can get together together, God's presence shows up. If we can get together together, then God's presence shows up right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. If we can get together together, God's presence shows up at every high school and every middle school. In every elementary school because our prayers change, our worship change, our love changes, our serving changes, our accent changes, our relationship changes, our church changes, our preaching changes, everything about us changes because we're not just together, we're together together. We're not just sitting in the same room, but we're seated in heavenly places together, together, worshiping our heavenly Father with everything in our hearts. we got to let it go. Stand up on your feet if you can. Stand up on your feet. Let's, let's, let's really do that today. I want to open this altar, and we're just going to have just a couple minutes of just worship. I'm not going to say much. I just want to invite you. Maybe you got some pettiness. Maybe you walked in this room today, and you're looking at people differently. You don't even know them, but you look at them differently. Well, that person over there, they must be this because there's some prejudice you need to let go of. There's some hurt. Somebody did something to you. Maybe it was even a pastor. You walked in this room. You're sitting in the back right now. And you're like, yep, he's probably going to do the same thing my old pastor did to me. So I'm not going to really let it off. So I'm not. I'm just going to be together, but I ain't going to be together together. Maybe you're sitting here together in your marriage, but you ain't together together. And you need to let go of some pettiness. You need to reconcile. Maybe it's the color of your skin. I don't know. Look, I'm not perfect by any means. I got some together together stuff I need to work on but I feel like God's speaking to you to let go of the pettiness let go of the offenses let go of the shade that you're setting underneath so the worship team is just going to start singing and this altar is open I just want you to get out of your seat be honest can we just be honest today can we just not do church but be the church can we just, if you're a leader here, it doesn't matter. If you're a pastor here, it doesn't matter. Just can you just just say, God, I, I, I need I need I need a life change. I need I need I need to get in alignment with heaven. I need some heaven in my job. I need some heaven in my kids' life. I need some heaven in my marriage. I need to loose some things. Just let it go. I'm gonna just let them sing and just get out of your seat and come to this place. Lift up your hands and begin to worship and watch God show up right here. Just get out of your seat and come right now. Today. God we want truth we want your word to come in our city in our schools in our government it happens right now in our hearts it happens in our hearts god heal every heart today heal every wound bring comfort bring conviction Lord. We love you. Bring us into agreement. Together, together. Together, together. Together, together. We want to be that gate, God. We want want your presence in our everyday life. Every day. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and heal hearts right now. Come on, let let them into your heart. Let them just heal some hearts. heal some wounds the Holy Spirit is like oil he just comes and just heals why don't you just close your eyes everybody in the room just close your eyes if you're watching online just close your eyes and just let the Holy Spirit come and heal one scripture calls him the balm of Gilead healing from the top of your head to the soles of your feet healing every part of your heart every dark recess of our heart Let him heal you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for aligning us with heaven right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The greatest reconciliation, the greatest restoration, the greatest agreement that we can have is when we say, God, I agree that you sent your son Jesus to die just make it real simple real plain if you confess with your mouth believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead that he died for you and was raised from the dead you will be saved saved whole healed delivered free free from pain not from problems you'll have some problems but you'll have a resource you'll have a source to go to to draw from to drink from you will have an eternity with him that's what Jesus came for, to restore our relationship, our agreement with the Father. What does that mean? What do I have to change? I know that's always the first question. How about nothing right now? Just give Him your life. He'll work the rest of the stuff out. He loves you even if you don't make the decision. And He loves you because you'll make the decision to follow Him. If you're here today, I'm going to count to three want to get three, Just raise your hand. I want to I know who I'm praying for. And, and you know what? People around you want to pray for you because they know this is a significant moment in your life. And guess what? When we come into alignment, two or three or four or five or 10 or a 1,000 gather together, 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 we can change the world. So just make that decision. One, two, three. Just raise your hand and say, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to come to know him as my personal Lord and Savior. Listen family, can we just join together and make this prayer? If you raise your hand, I just want you to pray this out loud. Say it loud so you can hear with your own ears. Church, join with them. Let's make some noise in heaven right now. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that His blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today I give you my life. I will follow you. All the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for being raised from the dead so I can have freedom forever in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, Amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. Y'all-
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.